Welcome to the Performer Power Up Podcast, where I empower you to take control of your life, improve your well-being, and simply flourish, all while being in the performing arts industry, which, let's be real, is one of the most physically, mentally, and emotionally taxing careers out there. I'm Meg, certified health and life coach, professional actor-singer-dancer, and your host. Join me on my quest to open the conversation on all things wellness within the performing arts industry. It's time to ditch the dreaded starving artist mentality and finally embrace the thriving artist identity. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Performer Power Up podcast. I'm Meg, and I'm so excited to be here with Livy, who we were just talking about how cool the internet is because it just connects you to people all over the world. Um, but yeah, Libby is a M-S-R-D-C-E-D-R-D, which she can tell you what those stand for. I can't. <laughs> um, but she's an international best-selling author, speaker, and a certified eating disorder registered dietitian. Um, she and her team at registered dietitian team of registered dietitians at Not Your Average Nutritionist help people with weight neutral sports nutrition and recovery from eating disorders. Um, And then her specialty is helping stage performers optimize their health and nutrition like the athlete that we are through weight neutral evidence-based science. So a lot of passion from musical theater. Libby has been dancing since the age of three and has been acting and singing throughout the years in regional film and theater. And she is currently working on a health book and a college curriculum for performers, which I think is super, super dope. And we will definitely discuss what's gonna be included at those because that's so awesome. But yeah, Libby, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, awesome. So I would love for you to just give us a little bit of an intro of you and your journey in the arts, but also in health um, and how you got to where you are now, sort of combining both of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll start with all those initials for you because I know that could be a Yes, mess. yeah. <laughs> um, so basically I have both a bachelor's and master's degree in nutrition science and dietetics. And so I also have become a registered dietitian, which um, if you don't know what a registered dietitian is, the simplest way to state this is all registered dietitians are nutritionists, not all nutritionists are registered dietitians. So legally anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. Registered dietitians are a medical profession similar to like a physician's assistant or a marriage family therapist were considered like mid-levels. Um, so we can provide medical nutrition therapy. So medical diets, we can provide individualized dietary advice. Uh, we are under, you know, medical legal ruling, state to state licensure, all that jazz. So um, that's kind of what that means. And then the CEDRD is, you said it was a certified eating disorder registered dietitian as for the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. So it's kind of like the, the top level you can achieve as an eating disorder person. That took me about eight years to get that credential. So yeah. So that's kind of that piece of it. Um, but yeah, to answer your question about, um, my time in the arts and my time as a dietitian and how those got married together. Um, 
oh my gosh, these could be really long stories. So I'll try to keep that short so we can get to the stuff that people actually care to hear about. Um, so yes, as you said in the intro, um, I got into dance when I was three years old. My mom was a dancer, not professionally, just for fun. And uh, wanted to make sure that I got into the arts as well. She also brought me up watching musicals. So like all the MGM VHS musicals that are out there, yeah. like that was our time together. That is what we um, really bonded over was, you know, especially Hello Dolly and Bye Bye Birdie were like our two that we watched all the time. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Five, she took me to see my first professional show at a dinner theater and it was 42nd Street. And that is when I knew I fell in love with musical theater. Um, I, I loved it so much. I made her take me back at five years old <laughs> and the understudy went on the second time. And I'm like, she was good, but she was no, whatever the name of the first person was so like theater critic <laughs> from a young age. Um, <clears throat> so that was my introduction into the theater world. Um, I, I did different types of dance on and off all the way through high school and I guess through college. In college, I just did social dance. So swing, salsa, ballroom. That was what I really got into. In high school is when I was doing most of the musical theater work. I started doing a little bit of like one act plays through 4-H younger than that, but um, realized that, hey, like people actually get to like do musicals when I was in high school. And you know, this was before social media was a thing and all of that. And so I didn't know, like, unless you were formally trained and you had people that were like telling you how to get into the industry, it just wasn't even on the horizon that that could be a career path. Couple that with the fact that I had extremely low self-esteem when I was 17, 18 and applying to colleges, I didn't apply for any sort of performing arts schools and I actually started college pre-vet because I was the horse girl. I had animals growing up. I was set to be a large animal veterinarian. So that's where I was starting with a musical theater minor of all things. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I had that. <laughs> so I had, you know, my first semester I was taking theater classes and stuff, but uh, very quickly decided that was not the major for me. Um, also unbeknownst to me at the same time was developing my own eating disorder and was becoming obsessed with nutrition. So found out, hey, there's a career called a dietitian and there's a nutrition thing. And um, so I switched majors, which meant switching schools. So I had to drop the musical theater minor, picked up a leadership minor instead, uh, graduated with nutrition bachelors and pretty much done with my eating disorder by the end of college, which was great. <laughs> so worked on the mental stuff for years afterwards, but um, that part was good. And you then, actually switched your major because you got interested in nutrition from your eating disorder? Yes. Did I catch that right? Yes. Wow. That is um, unfortunately a very common story. Now, yeah. as an eating disorder dietitian, the number of nutrition students that I see as clients is insane. And a lot of them, you know, that maybe they didn't switch majors, but maybe that's why they chose their major in the first place. Is come from their own disordered eating and obsession with food. I mean, I remember in, you know, the end of high school, beginning of college, 
I was so obsessed. You know, I was tracking every calorie. I was reading all the women's health magazines, diet articles. I, you know, was reading all the diet books and, you know, occasionally would see a byline that said registered dietitian. So I'm like, oh, there's a job helping people lose weight. I'm good at that. So like now that is the exact opposite of what I do because I understand science, <laughs> but right. that was, that was the original thought is, oh, I can help people lose weight with this job. So it's, wow. it's just crazy like how that goes around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. I like, and I'm thinking about myself too. And I, um, I never really like was diagnosed with anything, but I definitely had very disordered eating in college. Um, I don't like to call it an eating disorder because I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I definitely had like, yeah, like you said, I went through all these different phases of let me track everything or let me do this workout regimen, this diet regimen, whatever to try to change my body. And then it was when I got a really healthy relationship with all of that, that I decided to become a health coach and decided to get more involved in the health and wellness industry. Cause it's like, yeah, you kind of want to change things a little bit, yeah. you yeah. know, but yeah. Awesome. So you graduate with a nutrition degree. Mm-hmm. Um, end up in California for my internship to become a dietitian. So we have accredited internships that are similar to medical residencies that we need to do before we can sit for our exam. So that's how I ended up out here where I currently am in San Luis Obispo, California. I uh, met my husband who is a local and been here for almost 11 years now. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and to get back to the theater side of things, once I had finished, you know, I got my RD, I got married, um, was starting to settle into some work. I was ready to start looking at theater again. I was like, this is a thing missing from my life. I started seeing some community theater auditions coming up and got into my first show, which was the chorus line. And I mean, the rest is history. I've been doing anywhere from, well, with the exception of the pandemic, of course, anywhere from one to four shows, musicals a year, and then started getting into some local film as well. And went out and auditioned for a couple Broadway shows. And that part's just been so fun. It's been like my little escape from reality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's so cool that like, and I think it's something that people that don't really know is that you can, you know, have a career in something else and still be an artist, you know, and still be a performer and still, yeah, do a bunch of shows a year, you know what I mean? Like, and have that also be a part of your life, even though it's not the forefront of your career, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so awesome, but I think that was, um, was really helpful for me, especially when the pandemic hit is I knew all of these people who were, I don't want to say just, but like their only job was performing. And when everything shut down, there was no jobs. They, you know, they extremely had to pivot. We all had to pivot in certain ways, but I was really happy to have a, you know, quote unquote, normal job, I guess. Um, I mean, it was a business and it, it definitely had a roller coaster over the last couple of years, but I still had a, a purpose waking up in the morning. And I think that was really helpful. Uh, I'm actually currently in 
our last day of tech for a show right now that opens this weekend. Um, and that's been really crazy. And it, it, that's when it also reminds me of like, it would be, I'm, I'm so jealous of the people that um, got cast in the show that are, again, I don't like saying just, but like just actors that came in for this, that got hired to come in for the show because they're, weeks have looked so different than mine like they can devote all of their time to the show and hanging out with people and a couple of them have you know little bits of work from home jobs but I come home from rehearsal and it's like I'm running a business I have a kid I have real life here I don't just get to pick up and leave and you know work on only a show as my only project so that's been extremely difficult yeah yeah finding that balance of Mm -hmm. the trying to do both yeah because it's so hard it's yeah there's a lot of pros from it that of having something else you know and having more than one avenue to go in your career but it's yeah that's I can imagine that'd be really really difficult um yeah so you're now a dietitian for other performers Mm -hmm. um so what sort of work do you do when artists come to you as a client Yeah, so for most of my performers, other than some dancers I've worked with one-on-one, it's been primarily more presentations, group coaching, um, courses, things like that, and moving into the more one-on-one stuff. So we've been focusing on more general things such as getting consistent with eating, ditching all of the diet things, um, working on avoiding digestive issues on stage with what you're eating and the timing of foods, really allowing all things back in. A lot of it's been dismantling a lot of myths. Um, For instance, you know, a lot of dance teachers are teaching people to go on these crazy diets to fit costumes. Like, no, the customers can make the costumes fit you or the myth of dairy coating your vocal cords. It does not get anywhere near your vocal cords. It does not create more mucus. There is scientific papers on this. Um, So if you enjoy dairy, it is okay to have dairy before you sing um, and that kind of thing. So really focusing on a lot of myth busting at this point. And then when people do come to work with me one-on-one, we're delving into what's personally going on for them. Do they have other medical conditions going on? What are their, you know, current, practices and how can we really, um, you know, amplify that to give both their best performance and, you know, optimize that as well as fit their lifestyle and their health and not deprive them of anything. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it is dismantling the beliefs that a lot of us have in this industry. So what are some of the top like myths then that you go about busting during your work? Eating before a rehearsal or performance, a lot of people yeah. think that either it's gonna you know, sit too heavy with them and they're not going to feel good or they're not gonna be able to you know, jump as high or whatever. Um, so they're afraid to eat beforehand. A lot of it is, I, I would say probably the thing we work on most isn't so much a myth as much as a finding barriers and it's getting that timing of eating. So you know, no matter what people have going on, we all have very busy lives. And so rushing around during the day, and then you're at the theater or rehearsal space for so many hours, and, you know, you should be getting some breaks to have meals or whatever. 
but people not thinking ahead to pack food or what they're going to eat. And so we kind of break down the barriers of how are we going to plan out what you need to bring with you or where you can go on those breaks, timing of things. That's a big one because a lot of people just wait until after a show or rehearsal to eat kind of their main meal and they really need that energy beforehand. I mean, yes, have a snack afterwards, of course, but we, we need to front load um, other myths. Um, that, one, that one is so common though, of yeah. people not eating before a show. Like, and uh, like, I never really, like I had gotten into, like I typically like watch what I eat. You know, there are certain things. I'm like, I think a lot of it does come to the digestion. Like, you know, I'm not going to eat things that are going to make my digestion flare up right before performance. Um, or something that's like really, really heavy. That's going to make me feel like overly full or things like that. Um, but yeah, I knew a lot of people and still know a lot of people that definitely are like, no, I don't eat before performance. And then just like have their full meal afterwards. Um, which yeah, would affect a lot of things. It affects your energy and yeah. the way you can perform. Memorization, like we need that yeah. glucose to the brains that we're functioning. Um, you know, just wa from watching other actors and all the performances I've been in throughout my life, other things I see is not doing proper warm-ups and cool downs, whether it's vocally or physically. Most people, unless they are like dancer dancers, I don't see that really happening. And I think that is a way that we can really prevent injuries. Uh, and I, I'm hypocritical. I don't always do it either, but I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to get better at that. Making sure that we're cross training during the day. I used to be a personal trainer and group fitness instructor and dance instructor as well. And I think it's important that we're, you know, working all the different muscles in our body, not just the ones in the show, because, you know, a lot of choreography can be very one-sided, you know, you're doing kicks just on one leg or something. So making sure that we're evening out, making sure people are getting enough sleep. Also a really difficult one. We have these late nights, people want to go out afterwards. And then, you know, depending on what their next day looks like, not being able to sleep in, like I have a toddler right now. I have a little person alarm clock basically who comes and climbs on top of me in the morning. So I don't get to sleep in anymore. And um, that's been very telling during this run of the show is like, oh, I need to go to bed. Like when I get home, which is hard when you're wound up. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so many little health things. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's such an ad adaptation to, like, you can read online of, like, a healthy way of living, you know what I mean, and get a lot of information about that, but as a performer, your life is just so different, you know, your life is, even, like, I've, uh, in my own world, had to, uh, like, deal with, uh, oh, well, it's supposed to be so healthy to get up early, and it's supposed to be so healthy to like always be an early riser. But if you're getting out of a show at 11 o'clock, getting up at 6 a.m. is probably not helpful. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. probably not <laughs> the healthy thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> like you need to get enough sleep. So then like maybe getting up at eight or nine when you go to bed at midnight, like, you know, not pushing the things of uh, the stereotypes that we hear of what's quote unquote healthier than others and actually okay. tailoring it to you. Yeah. So what are the top difficulties that you see with most performers eating wise specifically? Eating wise, I, I think we covered 
the really big one of consistency with eating or not eating before a show. That's probably number one or, or before a long rehearsal or something. We need to make sure that we're eating at least little bits throughout the day. Maybe it's not what your meals would look like on a non show or rehearsal day. Maybe they're spread out in smaller chunks, but you still need to be getting that fuel in there. But for someone who's scared to sort of delve into that, you know, scared of, I don't want it to affect my performance. I don't want to eat something that's going to get in the way. How do you go about going through that? Yeah, that's a great question. I like to think of anything except for a show is trial and error. Hmm. Just how right now we're kind of restaging some of the show because a few cast members had to go out with COVID you need to be flexible and anything goes until show day. So during rehearsals, during your days where you're just working on stuff by yourself, try out different timings, try out different foods, see how things sit with you. And I think this is something that just is very general sports nutrition. I definitely noticed this when I was a runner as well. I had to figure out what I could eat and how soon before a run I could eat, especially on race days so that I wouldn't get, you know, side stitches or feel bad, but I would still have energy. And so like I learned oatmeal did not sit well with me, so I couldn't do that, but you know, banana did or things like that. So you need to really do trial and error for yourself of what foods, how much and how soon beforehand. And really when we're getting closer to go time for any of this, whether, you know, it's rehearsal or show, um, having quick digestible carbs are going to be your best friend. We want to keep carbohydrate in the system. That's where our energy is coming from. So having snacks like fruits, pretzels, things like that backstage are going to be a great way to keep that energy up in ways that aren't going to be so digestively difficult. Um, depending on what kind of fruit, for instance, um, anything that has a lot of fiber in it or protein or fat is going to take more time and energy to digest. So obviously we need to eat these foods. Very, very important. We want to push those a little earlier in the day or have them afterwards and have more just simple carbohydrates right beforehand. And that's going to make it so you're not having bloat and gas and digestive pain and uh, lack of energy on stage. Those quick carbs are going to make everything kind of run smoother for your system. Yeah. So what's an example um, for people listening of say like a meal that you would suggest that's mainly simple carbohydrates? I don't know that I would do that as particularly a meal, but more as like the snacks before and during, like right now backstage, I have, um, pretzels and almonds as some snacks just to have for a little quick burst of energy. You know, when we have our 15 minute breaks or intermission or whatever. Um, but for things beforehand, we do still want to have really mixed meals. And when I say mixed or balanced meals, I'm talking carbs, fats, proteins, getting a variety of foods, um, you know, again, just kind of blanket statement. It's important to have a big variety of foods in your diet, not eat the same thing every day. Okay. Get that out of the way. It's the simple stuff. Um, you know, things that I think are great before, um, uh, you know, a performance or rehearsal, 
Um, something like a sandwich is always a good idea. So the bread is going to be that quicker carb. It's going to keep you full and energized. And then if you have meat or cheese, you've got some protein and fat. We're having vegetables, so we're getting some nutrition in there, but it's not going to be so much like a big salad or something where it's going to cause that digestive upset from being too much to digest. Um, and then, you know, any condiments or things like that usually don't have that much of an effect. So I would say that's always kind of a, a good quick go-to and especially great if you're needing to grab something on the go on the way in. Um, for me this week, like I know Wednesday, I had a crazy busy day. So I picked up a sandwich from a sandwich shop early in the day, stuck it in the fridge. And then I had like work for the afternoon. And then I went straight from work to physical therapy, straight from physical therapy to rehearsal. And I knew I would need to eat like while we were doing mic checks and everything. So I just, I bought a sandwich. I brought it with me. I ate before we got going and that was really helpful. And I, that was really just the planning ahead phase of it. Cause I could have been like, oh my gosh, I'm running from all these things and shoot, I have no time to grab anything. And I'm at the um, venue now. So I, and I would have been just kind of stuck with, you know, vending machine food or something like that, which you can eat those foods, but that's not going to be the thing that's probably going to sustain you. Right. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to point out um, something you said, like even just the comparison of a salad versus a sandwich, mm -hmm. whereas you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, a salad is so healthy. I should choose the healthy option because it's a salad, but that might not be the best option for that time of the yeah. day. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't eat anything, honestly, like all foods fit, right. but the salad is probably not what you want right before going into something intensive. And this is not just shows. This is rehearsals. This is um, anything really athletic. So even if you're just going to the gym or something, or you're doing some other sporting thing, having a salad right beforehand is probably not going to be your smartest choice. So have that earlier in the day, have that another day. Don't do it right before you're going to be super active. Yeah. So what are some other examples that you had put in both of those categories of things really, really good to eat right before versus maybe eat at a different time for most people. Of course it's different yeah. for everyone. Yeah, obviously there's, there's differences. Um, it could even be like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich would be a nice digestible thing. Um, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this that much. Ah. <laughs> <I just did. laughs> um, depending on like the what and how much I would say pasta could be good beforehand. Um, I think this is just kind of a general assumption. A lot of people get really excited with pasta and eat a lot of it at once. And if you eat too much of anything, it's going to hurt your stomach once you start moving. Right. So, sure. uh, in terms of being a, you know, quick digesting carb, that's going to give you energy. Pasta could be really great. If you're eating a huge amount of it, that's going to hurt. And if you're having like a whole bunch of broccoli thrown in there, that might cause some more gas and bloating and things like that. So again, eat your broccoli, just don't have it right beforehand. Um, yeah. Love your pasta, just don't eat heaps of it right beforehand. I think it's getting to know your individual body and what you can handle is going to be really important. Yeah. I think if there's some other good examples, um, I would say anything like super greasy is not a good choice right beforehand. So greasy pizza, fried food, stuff like that. 
not going to be your smartest choice right beforehand, mostly for the digestive piece of that. Um, still could give you some good energy, but just digestively, it, it won't sit as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think that's like some general things that it could be really helpful for people. Um, but yeah, also good to point out that it's definitely different for everyone. You know, I like yeah. what you said about every day that's not a show is an experiment of like, let's tune in actually mm -hmm. see how these things affect me and then use that knowledge for when we do have a show and what will actually be helpful for those times. Um, yeah. So as, um, you know, I work with a lot of performers as a health coach, which is definitely very different and more habit-based of things like that, less mm -hmm. scientific nutritional wise. Um, but I've found that, you know, an overwhelming amount of performers have issues with body image and struggle with finding a healthy relationship to food and to exercise that doesn't circle around changing our bodies. And I loved what you um, had said that part of your career was that it was weight neutral yes. um, training for these kinds of things, which I think is so important for performers because yeah, we all just have, not we all, but most people that I find have some sort of issue with body image and things like that. Um, yeah. Is this something that you've also found in your practice that a lot of us struggle with this? Oh yes. Oh yes. I have probably met like two performers who haven't had any body image things. Yeah. Um, I can't think of who they are off the top of my head, but like everyone talks about it and it might even just be through a passing comment of, Oh my God, I ate too much or something like that to, a full-blown conversation of, oh, you work with eating disorders? I had one of those, you know, tell me all about this stuff, you know, um, and everywhere in between. So it's been very, I don't want to say, I think it's, it's sad that this is um, where the industry has really gone with this and that it has become so pervasive within even the musical theater industry. Like we're talking all performers, and I, you know, I feel like a lot of it stemmed from ballet and like the Balanchine body and things like that, but it has made its way into all of the arts. Yeah. And I, one thing I'm really, I think, hopeful about is the pandemic really gave us a chance to stop and have these conversations and more people are speaking up about this. And I do think there's a lot of change in the future in terms of more body acceptance within the arts. Obviously we have a long way to go, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> this oh, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah uh, everyone has body image issues, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, it's, it's difficult because I think that some of it is innate in the industry. You know, I think that some mm -hmm. of it is innate just by the fact that like you are being watched by all these people, mm -hmm. you know, like that's going to cause some mental stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's the same way that for ballet, you're constantly looking at yourself in a mirror and critiquing yourself. And by definition, you are critiquing your body because that's what mm -hmm. you're doing. Um, but for, you know, even actors and singers and things like that, like you are your product, you know, you are what you're selling. So then when you 
want to sort of modify, critique, improve that product, it's improving mm-hmm. you. And a lot of times that goes into a physical form of things. Yeah. Um, and then obviously that's, you know, pushed even farther by the standards of the industry and things like that as well. Um, yeah, it seems like the the thing that people feel they can have some control over. So, oh, I'm getting critiqued. I'm not getting cast. Well, maybe if I change my body, maybe it's me. Maybe it's my body that's wrong. And, you know, we wouldn't say this about our height or something like that because we know we can't change that. I think, I hope most people know that. <laughs> um, so we're not like, oh, well, if only I was taller, I can make myself taller and then I'm going to get the roles why are we doing that with anything about our bodies? It really should be about talent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and acknowledging that everyone is different and that's part of your power in this industry Mm -hmm. is that like anything about your body is very, very unique because it's, you are unique. You know, there is only one person that looks like you, that acts like you, that sings, dances like you. And that's part of what will get you cast, you know, is that uniqueness that you bring to it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's even just for me, like that was a really big part of why I started restricting so much and then had like some issues with food and exercise and stuff like that. It was because I felt like, yeah, there's a lack of control as -hmm. an artist. You feel a lack of control with the industry and just not being cast and, you know, all of these sorts of things. So then it's like, oh, well, this is something that I can control. And I can change right now, which can develop a really unhealthy relationship to it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go typically about addressing these tendencies within your practice? Just thinking you can edit this right out. Yeah, you're good. I had something like a minute ago and I just lost it. Ah. Uh, you're good. You're good. It's right there. Um, okay. I think one of the main things I try to drive home, and this definitely takes a while for people, especially the more ingrained in their disordered eating or eating disorder they are, that you're going to be a better performer regardless of your size or whatever if you're taking care of your body if you are beating your body up from self-loathing from trying to change it not taking care of it whatever way that means whether that has to do with food sleep exercise self-harm whatever if you're not taking care of your body properly that is your instrument And so you're not going to do as well. So for people who really want to excel in their craft, I feel like once we can get that to click, that really pushes them to actually take care of their body. We're really trying to see what changes can you make that are going to feel good for you and create those little wins so that you're feeling good. So for instance, if I'm working with someone who is restricting food and their fear is if I start eating more, I'm going to gain weight and gaining weight inherently equals bad in their mind. Well, we start with, okay, what if we just added, you know, a snack or what would be the easy thing to add? Maybe it's, we're going to add 
a fruit to lunch, or we're going to add a string cheese in your snack or something, just one thing. And they do that for a couple of days and they don't magically gain 20 pounds and the world doesn't end. And they come back and they're like, okay, that was doable. And so we add on another little thing and okay, didn't gain 20 pounds, the world didn't end and they have more energy. Huh? Maybe there's something to this. And so we're able to build on the self-efficacy of those little wins to a point where the benefits are outweighing any sort of negatives that might come up. Hold for airplane. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's so important is uh, just flipping it in your mind. Um, And even like what, a lot of us, like the, you are your product sort of mentality. Like, this is what I can control. Just flipping that of, uh, yeah, you are your product. You are, mm-hmm. you are your instrument. So therefore you need to take the best care of yourself. Yeah. You know, How not- much better is your product? If you're feeling really vibrant and energized and your best self. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So I know that rejecting diet culture is a really big part of what you do in your practice and also just your overall message on socials and things like that. Um, So how do you think that we as performing artists can continually push to destroy these concepts of, uh, you know, the disordered eating and these disordered mentalities of diet culture and encourage healthy practices to take their place? I hope it's something that is naturally kind of dying out because from everyone I've talked to and I, I know no specific people, so I'm happy to not be able to count, you know, point anyone out, but I feel like everyone I've talked to that has gotten this messaging, maybe not from just normal home life, but from being in the arts, it has been diet advice from specifically dance teachers or other people in the industry who are not qualified health professionals or dietitians who are, you know, I was the ballerina and here's how you slash calories to drop weight really fast kind of information. And it's extremely dangerous. I mean, we have so many, especially dancers coming forward with their eating disorder stories and how that was really pushed upon them in the industry and the fact that we're still having college weigh-ins and cruise ship weigh-ins in these performing arts programs is just appalling to me. So I hope that this stuff is starting to go away as some of those, I guess, old timers are retiring from the industry. And I think we're starting to bring in more information of not only hopefully more size diversity, but sports nutrition we have the information, we have the tools. I like to say that my performers are theater athletes. I'm approaching this from a very sports nutrition mindset because that's what it is. We are looking at endurance activities where you know we're having eight plus hour rehearsal days or training days. We're having odd hours. We're sitting around for a long time and then go doing really explosive movement we need to be able to take care of our bodies to get through that. And that's not going to happen through these crazy crash diets. You know, on the simplest level, a lot of people go to just calorie restriction, 
which obviously, I mean, I hope everyone just knows that that's not a smart idea at this point. I'm not going to go into the science of that, but then, you know, we get into the nuances of all these other fads that are out there with people thinking like, oh, this is going to be the new best fix. And you know, we have all these things like low carb, keto, intermittent fasting, paleo, blah, 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 not taking into account that not only were these diets either just poorly designed in general and no one should be doing them, or they were designed for a very specific medical condition, such as the ketogenic diet, which should not be used by anyone except for a very specific subgroup of children with epilepsy. That is the only group of people that that has been proven effective for, for their brain. And we're not even talking about like the rest of their body health. Right. So when we're looking at endurance sports, you have to have carbohydrates. I think that is imperative. And we need to look at this from the fact that we have this information now. And I'm, I'm hoping, and this is why I'm so passionate about it and trying to get it into the schools is that we need to start young with teaching how to actually properly take care of your body, how to nourish your body so that we're not getting pulled into these really harmful diets. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about that then. So you're, cause I think that's a huge, it's a huge part of it. It's just getting it into the education of, you know, the newer generations coming up so that, yeah, it sort of dies out. That's like a kind of a morbid way of thinking about yeah. it, but, um, but yeah, at a certain point, it's just like teaching new things to the younger people. So you're currently working on a book and also a college curriculum for performers. Is that right? Awesome. Yeah. So is the book also for performers or is that? Yes. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah. yeah so I'd love for you. Came about. Uh, so I actually started a couple of years ago with, from all my conversations with people in the arts and I'm saying specifically musical theater, cause that's more of my connections. Um, but this is really applicable to anyone who is on stage. So, and I've worked with a lot of dancers and musicians as well. Um, and I was getting the same information of, you know, either the schools are teaching poor things. Oh, we don't have any health classes. I don't, I have no clue how to feed myself. Um, we're getting weighed in and I, you know, people are getting cut because of their weight and all of this stuff. And they're not giving any appropriate advice around this stuff. And so I decided uh, initially that I wanted to just see what I could do having conversations with these students. So I started with um, a couple of schools that I had connections with, got in and talked to groups of students just through Zoom chats of what's going on in your school, what information do you need, and just kind of holding Q&A sessions with them. And they were so receptive to it that I developed a what it, what's now become a signature talk that I give at schools. Um, it's nutrition for theatrical students. And I go and I've spoken to several um, college, um, either BFA or conservative programs to their performing students, whether it's the actor dancers or the technical crew, I bring them all in together because it's applicable to everyone. And we have you know about an hour and a half lecture of just kind of the basics of like, how do you take care of yourself as a performer? with these crazy hours of your program and performing and just good skills to take with you into this life. And I was getting 
fantastic feedback about that. So I'm really excited that that is continuing on. I have a speaking manager now, so we're, we're doing more. And I have also been a college professor of nutrition since 2014. And so I love teaching. I know how to do it. I've created curriculum for a couple of classes now. And I was thinking, why not do what's never been done before and actually create an evidence-based class for performing arts students? Most of them, especially if it's a conservatory program, the only health class they ever got was like high school health, which is not great in general <laughs> and <definitely laughs> not applicable to the performing life, not specific, you know? So um, after speaking with both students and teachers, people really are wanting this. So I, I have an online course already called Whole Health for Performers that's available for individual purchase. And I want to take that and expand on it. And I'm working on creating curriculum that BFA programs will be able to purchase. Um, so I, I'm basically, I'm creating the curriculum and it's gonna be kind of a train the trainer so they can use their own faculty to teach it, but they have all the material um, just license it out. And I wanted something that you didn't have to be in a BFA program to get this information as well. And I've written uh, one solo book and two other collaboration books so far, and I love writing. So I started working on a book as well that I hope will be the textbook for that class, but also be standalone if people want that. So to be titled, um, but that is in the works. And I actually um, have something going on right now if people want to read along as I write the unpublished manuscript I have a way people can join me in that on my website so that is available as well so cool yeah I think it's so important and you know I I came from a musical theater program and I'm very lucky that I never had like weigh-ins or anything insane like that um but yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason why I started this podcast. And I was telling you this a little bit before we started the episode, but um, yeah, we're not taught those things. You know, we're taught how to, what are these acting techniques and how can I sing better and how can I dance better and all mm -hmm. these sorts of things, but we're not taught about how to be a human and be healthy mm -hmm. body and mind in this yeah. industry, you know, and that's, that's the whole reason why I started this podcast. Cause yeah, it's just, it's not talked about. And so I think that, oh, I just love the idea of getting a curriculum in for college students and starting it there, you know, cause that's when you're, that's your most formative years as an artist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you're just fully immersed in learning about your craft. So mm -hmm. I think that's incredible. So yeah, so take me through a little bit of a sneak peek of what sorts of things are included in that curriculum. What sorts of things are included in that textbook that you're making? Absolutely. Um, the textbook is all over the place right now. I don't have an order of events. But <laughs> it, uh, the book is probably what I have the, the most information in at the moment. So in general, for both of these pieces, because I do have um, experience not only in the nutrition world, but in physical activity, in mental health, all of that. And um, I have connections with people to help me with pieces of this if needed as well. Um, we're going to be talking about obviously nutrition and all of that, but also physical activity, taking care of your body that way. Um, for all of these things, 
when and who to seek out for additional support. Like when do you need a physical therapist? When should you see an individual dietitian? What questions should you bring to your doctor? Like that kind of stuff as well. So that people aren't just like, this hurts. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I want right. people to have um, a guidebook of they're not going to get everything from this course. It's a one credit course. It's a book. I cannot provide medical advice, right? I want people to be confident enough that they know what to do next. They know where to seek that information. So that's going to be a piece of it. Uh, we're definitely going to be talking mental health and coping skills, drug and alcohol abuse. That's really prevalent in the performing arts community, unfortunately, whether it's drinking too much, smoking, prednisone misuse is uh, unfortunately really common among professionals, um, so things like that, that that's what we probably have actually the most like scientific research papers on in the musical theater world, surprisingly, in terms of health. Um, wow, I didn't yeah, know that. I keep, seeing, I keep seeing like all the drug abuse stuff in terms of like the research papers. There's not much else out there. Like no one's talking about the nutrition piece. It's really funny. Um, obviously there's gonna be stuff on vocal health. Um, oh my gosh, what else? Digestive health on stage, talking to customers when you have body image issues. So there's going to be like scientific, more textbooky like stuff. Like this is kind of generally what you need to be eating. These are what macronutrients are, blah, blah, blah but we're also going to have extremely specific things like, okay, you're going into your first costume fitting with body image issues or an eating disorder, or, you know, your weight's probably going to change because you're in recovery and you're still two months out from your show, having those conversations, um, avoiding heat stroke on stage. This is something that I started developing during one show when I was not hydrated enough. So how, how do we actually apply these actual medical and sports nutrition practices into things that are really relevant that people aren't thinking about. Like you get in hot costumes, working hard under stage lights. If you're not prepared for that, you could have really dire outcomes. Um, how do we d avoid digestive issues on stage? So you're not running for the bathroom. You're not feeling super bloated in your costumes. Um, all these things while coming at it from a, we're not just cutting calories here and shaming you. This is about really taking care of your instrument. I love that. I absolutely love that. So for people listening, what would you say are a couple top tips that you have of actionable things that they can do now, you know, that they can do now to learn a little bit more about their instrument, learn a little bit more about how they can better take care of themselves as artists? Yeah. Um, I have a couple things that I would love for people to take away from this and do. Number one, if you have any sort of calorie counting or weight tracking app on your phone, delete it now. I want you to just get rid of that. Uh, if you have specific like food allergies or medical reasons to have certain things like, you know, finding, you know, something that checks that there's an allergy in your food, please keep that. But if you're doing this strictly from a weight control perspective, just get rid of it now. You don't need it. I think the things that we should be doing to really just jumpstart everything, get on a consistent eating schedule, figure out what works for your lifestyle, find at least three, if not five or six or seven times a day that you can eat and get consistent with that. So your body knows when to expect food coming in. This is really going to help you figure out your hunger and fullness cues It's going to keep your energy 
and nutrition levels really stable. Um, it's just, it's going to make you feel better. If you're not currently doing this, this is probably the number one thing I would say to do is just get consistent with spread out eating times throughout the day. It's going to make you feel so much better. And Oh, I forgot the beginning of that question. <laughs> Top tips. Um, I had one more. <laughs> and remember that your body is your instrument, but it's not the most important thing in the world. You need to take care of it, but you are unique and amazing and just so incredible as you are. Like you don't need to change you. You need to take care of you. You don't need to change you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I think that that's, it can be a difficult mentality of, oh, I'm going to get healthy. So therefore I'm going to change me and, but approaching it from a, I'm just going to take care of me. And that's what being healthy is, especially as a performer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I feel like there's a lot in here that people can take away um, and start implementing to get to know themselves better and learn how to take care of themselves as, as a performer, um, which is so, so important um, because we are athletes in a way. Yeah. We're it's a very difficult career. It's a very mentally and physically and emotionally taxing profession. So learning how to take care of ourselves is wildly important for the longevity of that. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, and to anyone listening, I will have all of her links in the show notes so you can keep up on her with her website and her book coming out and all of these sorts of things, but also on her socials, keep up with her. Um, and yeah, get more information. If this is something that you want more personalized information about, um, you have a resource. So yeah, so all of that will be in the show notes and yeah, thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for another episode with another amazing guest. Um, and yeah, take care of yourself this week and always. Bye guys. <laughs>